Hello, and welcome to the Box in One podcast, a podcast discussing sports and culture through the lens of the gospel. My name is John Richards, and I'm your co-host today, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Chris Lassiter and Jeremy Hartman. Welcome to episode six of the Boxing One podcast, where in today's episode, we'll be discussing the NBA playoffs, your boy George Zimmerman, and the Baylor fallout from the firing of their head coach. Um, We're looking forward to these conversations, and we just invite you all to join us in those conversations. All right, let's start. Let's get started with the NBA playoffs, where we always get started. I'm here with my co-host, Chris Lassiter, a.k.a. C-Lass, and my boy, Jeremy Hartman. Coach what up, Hartman was what cracking. Um, we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs to start. And we got a lot to talk about with those playoffs because your boys, the Warriors, are in trouble. Trouble, trouble. What do you guys think about those Warriors, man? Can they come back in this series and win it? or at least tie it up or make it seem like a series because something's gotten into OKC. What's going on? So I think, just me personally, I can't see a scenario where OKC loses three games in a row right now. They're just playing too well. I don't necessarily even think it's something that Golden State is doing wrong. I don't think they're playing well, but I think OKC has a lot to do with why they're not playing well. And I don't think, um, you know, uh, like, you love the Spurs, John. I love Steph Curry. I'm not a huge Warriors fan, per se. I just like Steph Curry because his dad's from my area. Um, so I don't really want to make a lot of excuses for Steph. I'm just saying, like, he's being out-athleticized at the point guard. I don't think he's 100% healthy, but I'm not sure 100% health would change things on one of those ends. I just think OKC is a really tough team right now. Are they on like one of those Dallas Mavs runs right now to where you just feel like it's inevitable that they'll win this thing? I mean, you're a Spurs fan, right? So, you know, the only hope for stopping Westbrook is Westbrook stopping Westbrook. No one's guarding him (laughs) except him. And if he chooses not to do that, everyone in the league is in trouble. Yeah. What do you think, Jay Hart? You know, part of me wants to say if there's any team that can come back and win three straight games, it's the historic 73 win Golden State Warriors. But you know, that's the dreamer in me, the realist, and the coach in me says Oklahoma City is playing too well at the right time. Um, they do small ball a whole lot better than Golden State. Their small is a little bit bigger small. When you can put KD on the floor, Abaka, Steven Adams, uh, Robertson, and Westbrook, like that's a big small. And they're athletic, they're quick, they're fast. Um, I just think they're playing at a high, high level. I think it's a historic run. I mean, they, they knocked off the Spurs first and now Golden State. I guess we're talking about this could solidify Billy Donovan as a legitimate NBA coach. Not very many college coaches actually pan out in the NBA, but it seems like Donovan is on this nice little run here. So we'll see how things go. go. For me, I just, man, Golden State is 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 weird right now. Like, they're not Golden State. I think part of it is because there's a huge thing that I think a lot of people have been talking about over the past week, but I think Draymond Green has has been their worst enemy. He's become a huge distraction, and he's forgotten how to play basketball. It's like the Monstar snatched his body 
<laughs> it's kind of weird. Like, what happened to Draymond Green, the All Star? I think part of it was that all the media coverage, he was trying to be the villain as opposed to being himself. And that could have a detrimental impact on the team, especially when you're a guy who handles the ball as much as he does in that offense. Now, Steph Curry, I mean, he he's just getting outplayed, period. And part of it, it may be injuries, but, you know, it's just it's kind of hard to see them struggle like this with the fact that they won 73 games in the regular season. They were doing something right. And hopefully, I mean, we're recording this on the night of game. What is it? Six, five, five, game five. So is that you being prophetic? Oh, maybe, maybe I think that they're going to pull it out tonight. I think that they might, but (laughs) just for me, I think that they could come back, but right now, I'm not sure. OKC might be in the finals. And speaking of finals, don't you have something to say about that, Chris? What would you want to see? Yeah, well, I got one. One. Let's wrap up with one point. I'll let you guys answer both. But I do have a question. I think one of the things is um, what you've seen out of Golden State is one of the greatest overachieving teams in NBA history, too. Because you look at Draymond, they're all-stars. Like, no one was predicting all-stars for any of their all-stars. And so they have an extremely deep bench. They're very good, but it's not like they had an all-star that was going to be a surefire all-star the night of the draft. Like Steph Curry has blown everybody's expectations out of the water. clay has been a much better NBA player than people thought he would be. And I heard that Draymond could name all 34 players who were drafted ahead of him. So like you're talking about somebody who went in the second round, Nick Van Exel status um, to make it to the all-star so, so what you're saying is, like, they are just, like, the perfect blend of athletes play well together and overachieve. Like, so, but at the same time, like, that kind of helps me understand that, like, maybe this isn't as much of an upset when you're losing to two of the top three or four players in the NBA that are just on a hot streak. So I don't think it's a huge disappointment if you're Golden State to just say the better team won. My question for you guys would be, like, if you could choose any matchup just from entertainment value alone for the finals, what's the best storyline left out there that could happen? For me, I think it's the NBA changing the rules and making the Spurs automatically be in the finals. But um, despite <laughs> <laughs> the fact that that probably can't happen, I think that the matchup <laughs> that, I, that I would want to see is probably was okay. such a homer answer. It was so crazy. Like I had to bring the Spurs up. I just had to because we're not playing right now. So sorry about that. But I would say it'd be OKC and Cleveland. Um, I mean, I've seen Cleveland and Golden State. I feel like I've seen that movie already. Not many of the pieces have changed. Kyrie's back, so that might make a difference. But I want to see what this hot OKC team does against. Um, this Cavs team that has really morphed into a machine. So I think that I'd, I'd want to see that matchup for sure. Jay Hart. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. I'm going to have to go OKC and Cleveland. Um, personally, I want to see LeBron win one for Cleveland. I want to see the parade. I want to see him you know, finally do it. So, you know, the hometown guy brings home the championship to the lane. Um, and I want to see Durant Westbrook just attack attack, attack, and, you know, see what happens when the fallout is over. Who's who's left standing? 
So I think that might be the most exciting matchup. I'm kind of like John, like Golden State doesn't look like Golden State. Like they just look out of it. They look done. They look mentally and physically drained. Um, and right now I want to see you know, how, how far can OKC take this and who's more upset right now? The Spurs fans or Seattle people? Gotta be, <laughs> gotta be the folks in Seattle. I saw a picture the other day that had those two in um, the the old Sonics uniform. It was like, oh, y'all just gonna just stab people in the throat right now, huh? All those Seattle yeah, I folks. I mean, seriously, that's just bad. John, man. if that's the final you want, who do you want to see win that? Um. Well, you know, sometimes it it feels good to get beat by the NBA champions. Um, I feel like OKC should win it because then I can say we got beat by the NBA champions. Now, if Cleveland, did you just say it feels good to get beat by the NBA champions? No, I said it feels good to be able to say because here's the thing: if they lost to the Warriors, I'd be upset because I'm like, there's no reason we should have lost to them because that should be us. Got but, you. But the fact that they're winning out means that this is actually like they're on fire for three different series. Gotcha. Like it wasn't an anomaly. So gotcha. it never feels good to lose. But if you have to lose, you gotta lose to the team that's the hottest team in the in the playoffs right now. See, here's my problem. The whole the whole offseason I was worried that it was gonna I was gonna have these competing storylines. And I was going to have to pick between them. Like, I want to see LeBron get Cleveland one. I'd love to see Steph repeat. And I want, I don't want to see KD not get a ring. And so I say, man, I hope the playoffs don't play out in some way where all my favorite storylines keep, like, butting up against each other. I hope there's some way that this happens where, like, I'm not having to root for one against the other. But it looks like that's exactly what's going to happen. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And we got to do the um, the passing reference to Toronto just just on GP. Hey, Raptors. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about our next topic, man. Uh, George Zimmerman again is in was in the news this past week and a half, and um, just when you thought he'd go away, he won't. He won't. He will not go away. And uh, he was in the news because he was trying to sell or auction the gun he used to shoot Trayvon Martin. When I read it, I thought it was an Onion article. Like, I thought it was, like, not real news, but he actually was seeking out auction houses to do this. And he got denied by a few, which is good. America's, I was proud of America then. But eventually, one auction house decided to list that weapon on their site. And then um, America disappointed me. So the question then becomes, and we want to talk about, I don't think we really want to talk about the fact that he auctioned his weapon. But I think you had something you wanted to chat about, right, Chris Silas? Yeah, well, just from the... uh... Just from a gospel perspective, I noticed this, um, you know, at the cross, and I think John Stott wrote a whole book about this, The Cross of Christ. Great book. I'd highly recommend. One of my favorite books I've ever read. 
but it just talks about like that idea of this, what is it psalm 32 that justice and mercy have kissed you know and so when we look at things it seems like in these scenarios we love to pull out the like injustice and how god is a god of justice and he'll right wrongs but that mercy piece is such a hard thing to grasp and the idea of like our community like finding forgiveness for someone who not only killed a black teenager that was unarmed, but like flaunts it. And so um, one of the ways I was just asking like a great question to me was like, hey, could you preach the gospel right now? Like how comfortable would you be preaching the gospel to George Zimmerman right now? And then you had told me that you had written an article on that piece, right? Yeah, for sure. So this was right after the incident happened and I just started thinking about, you know, the witness of scripture and like what would be the best approach to kind of dealing with the issue itself. And there was so much, so much hate that was being spewed. Obviously, you know, it's, it's always hard when you see a situation like that. And it seems like it was motivated by something apart from, you know, something being accidental. Um, and then with the verdict and everything, um, being returned that wasn't quite favorable for the victim. I think that that's, uh, that's problematic. So um, I wrote an article just saying, like, what if I told you that George Zimmerman was the Apostle Paul? Um, the Apostle Paul who persecuted and killed Christians and later came to those same Christians proclaiming the gospel. And in Acts, you have, you know, Ananias, who gets a vision from God and says, hey, Saul's going to come here blind, and I need you to pray for him so he can see. And Ananias is like, uh, that dude kills people. Not going to happen. But um, obviously, he did listen to God. He listened to um, God's prompting, and Paul was saved, and Paul became the person who proclaimed the gospel to the Gentiles, but he was a murderer. He said that himself and um, a bad one at that. So when I read that and I think about God being able to redeem even Paul, a murderer, um, like how, how do we respond to situations like this in praying for that person? I know you had asked me if I, if I would pray for, for, for George Zimmerman. Absolutely. I pray for for David Duke. I pray for the gentleman who killed Medgar Evers because I know that the gospel can still transform that person's heart. If a if a robber on a cross can enter paradise at the last second, I don't put grace past anybody. So so yeah, that would be my my approach, my response um, to that. Jay Hart, you got anything to add there? I always wonder in situations like that, like. For example, let's say, hypothetically speaking, um, you know, he did have a revelation and he came to know the Lord and started to preach the gospel. How well would those in that community, how well would people accept him? Um, would they mock him? Would they call him a farce? Um, you know, that that's what strikes me as like I wouldn't have any problem preaching the gospel to him. Uh, my concern would be is like, how is the world going to accept him um, 
you know, but I also know that the Lord, that was the case. I know the Lord would make the pathways um, and be a, a, a light to his feet and um, would put him in positions where, you know, he could preach the gospel and it would be accepted. But when I think of situations like that, I always think of, especially with the way society is today, um, how they mock um, Christians and how, you know, you guys have probably heard it too, like, oh, you're a Christian, you can't get mad, or, oh, if you get angry, well, you, you must not be a real Christian. Um, so I always think, how would society accept that if he did have that conversion, that spiritual conversion? Mm. Mm. For me, it um, I've kind of, in the last year, I've gone through um, Jonah twice, and it's just amazing, like, the parallels in that book, like, um, you know, God calls Jonah, Jonah disobeys, and Jonah is shown grace. And when Jonah is shown grace, he writes a song about it and he rejoices. Then God tells God tells Jonah, all right, go to these people in Nineveh. Like, they've rejected me. I'm going to show them grace. And when he shows them grace, he gets mad about it because they're not Jonah's people. Mm. And, um, like, just saying, like, Lord, like, you have to search my heart. Like, is that true of me? But, like, hey, I'm thankful, like, I was shown mercy but like, I would be really frustrated if I saw you show mercy to some certain people, especially like uh, if they did something against my people, then Lord, I don't think I would like it if you showed them mercy. So just trying to make sure my own heart is in line with the gospel there. So that's just kind of been where my mind tends to go when I see these stories like that. Like, man, it's so easy to want to focus on like the justice um, issue, like, man, I hope Zimmerman gets what's coming to him. You know what I'm saying? You reap what you sow um, versus like, Lord, be merciful to his soul, you know? Um, so one other thing we want to really, really uh, dive into real fast. And it's really sobering to hear this news today um, because Baylor University has, um, from what I understand, suspended uh, with the intention to terminate their uh, head football coach um, for some sexual assault allegations that happened on campus that was on his watch, per se. And um, it's disheartening to hear that because when you're in leadership positions, you always want to make sure that you're doing things um, that help protect not only your players as a coach, but also protect the uh, the integrity of the university. And Baylor University actually happens to be a Christian university as well. So they also had to take swift action for this. But but what are the implications of this? What 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 are the implications of this fallout from what from what we heard today with with the coach being suspended and potentially probably gonna be fired, terminated soon as well. We're gonna let the coach go first on this one. Come on, coach. Honestly, like when I first saw it and even like over the last couple of years, just reading articles and following up with the Baylor stuff and um, just the allegations and, you know, accepting transfers who were kicked out of other schools and kicked off the teams for, you know, alleged sexual misconduct. Um, I think what happens in a situation like that is you become intoxicated with winning and intoxicated with money. Um, and sometimes it's easy to say, 
you know what? Oh, well, we don't have any proof because, you know, this guy's going to go out and get me three sacks and we're going to beat Oklahoma. Um, and I think once the money starts rolling in and there's big boosters involved, and let's not forget, Baylor is in the, you know, Big 12, which they had, you know, a long time ago, SMU, I mean, Texas, Oklahoma, they, they got alumni bankrolling folks and and Texas football is everything. Football is king. Mm. And I, I think you become intoxicated with that. Um, and I, the article I read today, you know, was just talking about the amount of money that was coming in to build a new stadium or facilities. And I think you lose sight of what's right and what's just because you want to win. You want the money to come in. And even the best of us can get caught up in that. So mm. that was my initial thought once I read all this. Mm. Mm. What about you, C-Lash? My initial thought is um, Hartman, I mean, he's got all boys, right? So he's raising boys in yep. his home. In my house, I'm raising girls. And so I'm just trying to imagine, like, um, this scenario where me as a father of a woman or any other father of a young woman comes to you and explains this horrible thing that's happened on campus and then know that like there's no shot at justice and that she has to walk around campus with the perpetrator or leave the college herself because like that perpetrator is still free on campus because they play such a vital role on a football team mm. so mm. um that's just hard for me to stomach as somebody who played um college athletics um, at a very small level, it's unfathomable that um, that like you could diminish the Imago Dei, the, the image of God in people um, to succeed in a sport. Mm. But that's the culture we're in. Yeah, yeah. And I, th I think that the part that, that really tugged at my heart the most, and, and like, like you said, I have a daughter as well, is the fact that the administration asked her or asked the, the women not to say anything for the sake of the program. Um, a few weeks ago, there was a an anonymous account created on Twitter by a Spelman College freshman. I attended Morehouse College and Spelman and Morehouse are like right across from each other. One is an all-male school, one's an all-female school. And the Twitter account um, recounted a rape episode, um, tweet by tweet. And, um, it was just to read it was, was horrendous reading it because she felt like the administration also failed her because it was Morehouse college. It's illustrious HBCU and administrative staff at both schools told her, um, or, or asked her about, her role in the rape as opposed to investigating it the way that um, it should have been investigated. And she was heartbroken. She disenrolled from school. Um, she was ostracized by administrative staff and even students. And just to hear that um, in that context from one of my sisters um, and knowing that one day I'm going to, as a father, send my daughter to college um, to be in someone else's care and hearing this story absolutely I'm on board with suspending firing doing whatever you need to do to send a message to say that this isn't okay 
So um glad that the, the school took those steps, but even saddened that it was necessary that an adult person um, asked these women not to say anything for the sake of boosters, for the sake of a record that's, that's going to go away. So that's, that's just crazy to me. Yeah. And I would just say, like, um, psychologically, like, rape culture can be so many things, you know, like, like who knows, like, all the reasons why someone would perpetuate that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but just as we talked about, like, um, George Zimmerman, um, like, and, like, even in investigating our own hearts, like, the one thing that, um, like, I've been kind of examining my own heart about is, like, using people. Like, definitely not in the way, like, horrendous ways that, like, the man public outcry, but, like, the idea of, like, um, not just valuing people as people. Um, so that's been, that's been a little crazy. Just like, like, as I examine my own heart, like, do I always have people's best interest in mind when I deal with them or am I ever like using them? You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. like people aren't meant to be used, like they're part of God's creation, but just like the level that that can sink to is just unfathomable. So, Mm. yeah, that's good. That's good. Finally, I think we want to talk about five-star restaurants, and I'm not really privy to those, so I'm going to have to defer to Chris Lassiter because, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of a two ninety nine guy, um, value menu type guy. So um, I think the restaurant connoisseur wants to talk a couple of wants to talk about a couple of things, don't you? Nah, and I, I don't know, <laughs> man. We might have to ask you about. Talk, about ask me about what first. Flip flops versus sandals. But um, here's here's what I want to do, man. Like we started this podcast in 2016, but there's so much stuff that has happened in the past that is so fun that we missed that we weren't podcasting. So I want to start like towards the end of every podcast having this series called "Sorry We Missed That." And so, like one thing I feel like we definitely would have talked about if we had a podcast back then was that one time I think it was around 2011. When Chris Webber and ordered a hundred dollar steak, and they asked him, he asked the restaurant for steak sauce, and the chef got offended. And then when the chef got offended, Chris Webber got offended that the chef got offended. And so my question for you guys is: If you go to a fancy restaurant, like what is it okay to ask for? What's it not okay to ask for? Like how hood can you keep it at a fancy <laughs> restaurant? Like can you can you ask for a one? Can you straight stunt? And just bring your own A1 and try to throw it up on the thing when no one's looking. Like, how are you handling that situation? And how well done do you ask for the steak? That's the other thing I think Weber did that made the chef mad was he asked for the steak well done and cut up. <laughs> First of all, I've been to some nice restaurants in my life. I've had the pleasure of going to some of those. And thankfully, we never had to pay for them because my wife is in the medical field. Um, sometimes a lot of med medical reps will take folks out to dinner. So um, I've had the pleasure of enjoying nice meals without having to pay for them because I'm cheap. <laughs> so um, You can't go to a restaurant like that. First of all, certain cuts of meat are to be cooked certain ways. Um, you may not like the pink, but yes, it's offensive. 
bruh, you can't go to a five-star restaurant and ask for A1. Like, you might be able to go and ask from like for, like, some au jus sauce or something. Um, but you can't go and ask for A1. Like, you just can't do that. Like, and you making millions of dollars? Like, come on, man. Like, you got to know better than that. Like, but you that's can't what, keep it that thug. <laughs> but that's what I was going to say. This man is a millionaire. He can do he can do whatever you want to do because that's what America runs on. That's like the good old American values. Billionaires can do whatever they want to. So let me just say this, okay, Jay Hart. I'll tell you this. I'm not eating any meat that has pink in it. I don't even eat salmon because it looks undone. I want everything. <laughs> I I want everything burnt crispy. Well done. I don't care. Who, I don't care if you chef your chef Ramsey, and you have your own TV show. Well done. And I'll send it back to get, to get it cooked to the the point where I don't see pink. Sorry, not gonna happen. You the type. Say you just like Chris Weber. Like you the type of people that you gotta have a one because it's so well done. You you lose the natural flavoring. Uh uh-uh, uh. I'll be that. Come I'll on, be man. what. Listen. I'll be whatever you want to call me. But I'm not gonna eat any of that stuff when it's red on the inside. Sorry, I've I've sent stuff, I've sent stuff back. Okay, and let me tell you guys, I I know an NBA player. Okay, who actually took French dressing to restaurants with him because he <laughs> wanted French dressing. Okay, these guys don't care. They do not care. Okay, they're millionaires. They don't care. If I want French dressing, I'm going to bring it with me and put it on top of your salad that has vinaigrette on it. It just happened. So <laughs> I, you know, I don't really, hey. I don't really care. Okay. I don't care what Chris Weber did because that's what those guys do. And I probably would ask for it. Well done. So I'm that guy. Sorry. Jay. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Two stories real fast. I, I think Jay, I mean, I hate to, I hate to hop on the Jay Rich, um, bandwagon on this one but uh i gotta have a stick well done bruh and like i'm not gonna have a great experience if there's not a one at the table <laughs> so listen listen look i gotta get so y'all I'm some culture thing, come on man listen yo i'm at this thing we do campus ministry right and the room is mostly suburban but there's a table of us that are all like uh multicultural leaders in young life uh, campus ministry and they're having this celebration dinner and they having something called surf and turf and everybody just starts looking at the plate and noticing that the meat isn't all the way dark and then there's this one uh suburban guy at our table i'm not gonna put his name on blast but i was like yo man we need you to do us this favor <laughs> when the waiter comes back we're gonna need you to ask and it needs to be you <laughs> But we're going to need you to ask <laughs> for the steak sauce. <laughs> wow. We had to. So the whole table, I mean, it was like there was no communication between us. We just knew, like, that's what had to happen. My wife was there. You could ask her. It had to happen. We had to have um, the steak sauce. I actually played on an AAU team where we won a big game. I actually played in the same tournament with Allen Iverson um, growing up because we were the same age group in the AAU tournaments. And our AU team was making a good run. We won some surprising games. 
And um, one of the sponsors for our AU team got really excited about how well we was doing. And um, he said he was going to take us out for steaks. And I just remember me and my friend was upset because we just wanted to go to McDonald's after the game and get a quarter pounder. So um, if that tells you anything about how wow. we grew up. Wow. Yeah, we was like, oh, man, don't nobody want to go sit down for no steak, man. We all sweaty. We just finished hooping. We were just hoping to get a quarter pounder and go to bed. But um, I, I wasn't, I mean, I don't know. That's all right, Jay Hart. I'm just going to, next week, we're going to talk about Leviticus and food codes. And we'll get you back <laughs> right. We'll, we'll get you back oh, right. Oh, man. <laughs> we might need your help, man, helping us figure out, like, how to take Leviticus 11 and see the gospel in that. If everything points to Jesus, <laughs> help us, help us, help us with the Levitical food codes. And, uh, and how to take that to Luke 24, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're going to close our session out with what you're reading, what you're listening to. Um, something we try to do every week to give our, our listeners some resources um, so they know what we are bumping in our stereos or iPods or whatever y'all got going on over there. Um, and what we're reading, um, what's really, really getting getting us to think through things. So uh, we'll start with you, C-Lass. All right. So, man, what I'm listening to is not actually very much music these days. I'm actually um, going through a Brian Loritz sermon series on time, and the series is very timely because I tend to be very ambitious in life, but sometimes hamstrung by organization, which means like, I really don't value time enough to organize it. Um, and so like it makes me more or less effective than I could be as a person. And I really struggle with that. But like unless I take aggressive steps, I wrestle with that. So that series has been um, good for me. But one song I have been pumping lately is the old 2008 Lecrae and Flame Joyful Noise, one of my favorite Christian hip hop songs ever. So that's been in heavy rotation. When I get in the car right before I play the sermons, I might I might rock out to that for a second. And mm -hmm. I'm still working my way through the uh, introduction to the Old Testament book, and I'll follow that with the introduction to the New Testament book. Just trying to have more Bible resources right now. So that's mm -hmm. kind of where I'm at. That's good. That's good. Jay Hart. Jay Hart. All good. Uh, what I'm what I'm listening to. What I'm listening to is I've been bumping some KB lately. Uh, 100. Um, None less. My bad with the ad lib. So uh, <laughs> I've been, I've, I've gone back and hit that that EP. Um, what I'm reading is a classic, C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, my, and and I'm gonna tell you how that came about. Is I have a bookshelf in my room and there's some books on there that you know chris has given me some books I, and in fact i'm looking at it right now like i got uh ravi zacharias's kingdom of the cults like there's some heavy hitters on here my wife is like are you ever going to read all of those books um so i started looking at them I was, some of them i've read some of them i haven't and i just happened to look and i said wait Lewis's Mere Christianity is there, and that's always a good read. Um, so that's I good. picked it off the shelf and have started reading that again. That's good. Yeah, man, that, that Ravi Zacharias book is encyclopedic 
and intimidating. Oh. Yes, very much so. <laughs> yeah, bro. But it's, I mean, it's a great resource for sure. Absolutely, it is. Um, so for me, I am listening to. I've been listening to this song um, pretty much all week, and it's it's by an artist named uh, Todd Delaney, and he took a Planet Shaker song, the the anthem, and uh, did a gospelized version of it. I guess, and uh, I've been really really listening to it. I like that song. Um, I like the Planet Shakers when they did it, but it was just too fast and had too much going on. Um, this one's more slow. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying, this one's more slow and it has a little bit more of a, a worship type um, feel to it. Not that the other one isn't worship, it just seems more up tempo uh, than this one. So, um, what I'm reading, I actually just started reading uh, Creativity Inc. Um, this is essentially the, the uh, Pixar story on how they created an environment um, that fosters creativity from the top down and uh, just started actually today. And this actually is really good so far, so far. Um, The the gentleman who founded it is really, really intentional about making sure his team isn't stunted in terms of their creativity. So uh, one of the things he says, like in the introduction is like um, creativity um, can flow throughout the organization and there's no hierarchy to create creativity. Like there's no one who has all the good ideas. So all the way from top to bottom, um, he allows people to have input um, on making creative choices and their movies have been phenomenal um, because he's created that culture. So it's going to be interesting to just to read that from a leadership perspective, organization perspective and see how you might be able to infuse that into into your team um so i think it's it's a great read it's been a a bestseller for for a good little bit and i've been wanting to get it so just i just dove into that and um it's going well yeah that's what's up all right that's been episode six of the boxing one podcast we appreciate you hold on hold on one thing we closing with this i don't know if you've seen the usa today but they're doing uh, best downtowns top 10 and right now Stanton's in the running John I'm just saying like if you want to come visit a top 10 downtown Stanton's your spot so I'm gonna close on that note I just and I'm gonna to, take you get a steak that's medium I just want to know how many people in the USA actually read USA Today everybody who stays at a hotel <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, grain of salt. If you would have said New York Times, if you would have said Time Magazine, I would have been like, whoa, Stanton, but USA Today, uh, I get that at the Waffle House. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> with a well done steak and A1, I got you. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. All right, folks, that's been episode six of the Boxing One podcast. We appreciate you all for joining us. Don't forget to go and subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. Don't forget to leave us a rating, leave, a, leave us a review. That's how we get um, people to know about the podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter box, at Boxing One Podcast. We appreciate all the love, and we will see you all next go round for episode seven. Peace out.